Welcome to Real World Theology Minisode. Uh, on occasion, to cover some of the most important and most beloved or acclaimed or important or culturally significant films in history, uh, we're going to record shorter episodes with just a few pointed questions in order to talk about movies that have had cultural impact and or we loved. And I put that caveat because of the movie we're talking about today. Uh, <laughs> on this on this Real World Minisode, uh, we'll be talking about Star Wars Episode Three. Revenge of the Sith. It was directed by George Lucas. It was written by George Lucas. It's a story by George Lucas. I think you're seeing the pattern of failure in this movie already. But it stars Hayden Christensen. Maybe that's more failure. Uh, Ewan McGregor, Natalie Portman, and Samuel L. Jackson. Um, so who's going to be talking about this culturally significant film with me? That would be from Real World Theology, my Jedi Master, Josh Crabb. Hey, how's it going? Yay! Um, and also from the Storymen and numerous, too numerous actually to name podcasts, uh, Master of the Force Choke, J.R. Foresteros. I have to say, I sense great anger in both of you. Um, <laughs> I can sense it in you. I should have never. I should have never come on this mission. I'm endangering the mission. Um, nice. Well, yeah, so for the sake of time, we will jump right in, and uh, if you've listened to the first couple, you probably know what these questions are, but, uh, and also, I, st I typically start with people on Skype, but both of you are on Skype, so yeah. uh, JR, you'll get the first one, and Josh, I'll let you an answer the second one uh, first, so uh, JR, what is one big idea you take away from Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith? Uh, one of the biggest ideas that really struck me when I rewatched this film was uh, Yoda's conversation with Anakin about how he needed to learn not to care about anything. And this mm -hmm. idea that to be a good Jedi meant you had to be detached. Um, because I th obviously I think that shows Lucas's evolving Buddhist theology uh, that, he, that he had in his life. And for me, it was a clear sign I will never be a Jedi because uh, for, for me, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pastor in the Church of the Nazarene. And for, for me, our loves are the very things that connect us to God, uh, which, of course, in Lucas's world is, you know, the, the, the mirror of the force or whatever. Uh, yeah. and, and the goal, but, but when I heard, when I heard Yoda counseling Anakin not to be sad that someone dies, I heard a lot of terrible funeral theology that I have, uh, you know, when you're a pastor, you have to go to a lot of funerals yeah. and you hear yeah, tons yeah, yeah. of bad theology. You're all kinds of things like this was God's will, or God wanted this to happen, or God needed another angel in heaven, or even just don't be sad they're in heaven now. And it was like this, this denial of Anakin's humanity in order for him to become a Jedi. And I found myself empathizing with Anakin and saying, yeah, dude, like you need to bail on these suck Jedi. Like you need to go, you know, if the Sith are the ones, the only ones that want you to say Padme, like maybe you should be a Sith. And I don't think that was like the exact response that Lucas wanted me to have, uh, mm -hmm. was rooting for the Sith. But yeah, I found the way the Jedi are portrayed in all of the prequels, but particularly in this film, to be super problematic. And not just because certain things that they might have chosen to do later didn't make any sense, but also because of this like underlying philosophy that Lucas gave to them of this denial of denial of humanity, really, and in, in denying our desires and our loves. So yeah. No, well, I think that's really good because I, I know we're not gonna really talk about other films. Uh, directly, 
but it's it's that that really I think lets us connect to the the original Star Wars films themselves because we see a way to be a Jedi eventually in Luke that is much different than we're taught in in you know chronologically the earlier order of Jedi right absolutely yeah and it's it's interesting you know we don't see between uh, five and six how Luke actually becomes a Jedi master so we don't see if he had to like learn to suppress his humanity but he didn't feel like that in Jedi I, Josh you were talking before the show about how much work you've done with Jedi lately like do you yeah. feel like that's do you feel like Luke the 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 Jedi master Luke in Jedi is the same kind of Jedi they were wanting Anakin to be yeah, well, I feel like they try and play that up, like his stoic nature, wearing all black at the beginning of the movie, uh, you know, but I, I think that's a little bit more symbolic, but it definitely, he seems a little bit more stoic, but he still has the same kind of personality he's had throughout the films. Like, maybe the tinge of, like, you know, what Yoda was like, you know, he kind of condescendingly says in episode five, like, you know, adventure, excitement, a Jedi craze, not these things, you know, I don't think Luke is as much into the adventure anymore as much as he's like realized that, you know, <laughs> uh, my decisions affect other people and holy cow, the dark Lord of the Sith is my father. And <laughs> so, but I think that the heart of who he is still exists. Um, and you know, I, I, I argue in, uh, an article that, that I'm working on, uh, or, and now, once this episode airs, we'll be completed talking about be how complete. to be complete. Um, that Luke will set up, you know, basically setting up a new Jedi Order that kind of has the heart of his father, Anakin Skywalker, but has the morality and sort of the um, the 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 mind of the Jedi. So mm-hmm. it's 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 kind of like that a little bit. So I, I think that's a really good point, though, about. Um, I, maybe I, Lucas didn't intend it that way, but he kind of—it it almost seems like that's kind of what happens, though. In in Revenge of the Sith, is that Anakin's really left with no other choice in his mind. <laughs> he well, he has no other way to go. Like the Jedi aren't for me. Well, I would say that any time that I could err on the side of giving George Lucas credit for something, I assume <laughs> that's the wrong answer. Nice, nice. <laughs> Um, which I mean, I think is is not just me being cynical. I think it's me being, you know, having realistic. seen his films. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Like based on you know evidence that I have, and and I think the thing is, I, I think because we get characters that actually act like human beings in the in the original films, it. Um, Lucas thinks he's doing the same thing. He thinks he's talking about the same Jedi Order in both. He just doesn't understand how to make characters not like robots. Um, nice. Or have dynamic feelings. He only, yeah. you know, it's like either crying because someone's holding them back or Gosh. desperately in love. Like, there's no middle ground for them to be like, hey, I can balance both, you know, justice and love. Oh, um, yeah. So, but, um, but, but Josh, uh, what was your one big idea from Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the the biggest the biggest like big idea of revenge of the sith and it's 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 tough it it really is for all of us star wars fans out there it's tough we got to bypass and we have to overlook so much to be able to love this movie um or tolerate but, it or tolerate it yes because <laughs> there are so many bad choices and and you know movies rise or fall on their stars and hayden christensen is the dimmest bulb that there is in the sky 
Um, but the big overarching thing was I really think that this established and kind of blew everyone's mind that Star Wars, the thread that's running through all of them is Darth Vader and his story and just how how at the end of The Revenge of the Sith, we're able to look with new eyes on the original trilogy with some new themes, some new thoughts, some new things that kind of connect pieces together. And I even think that continue in that thread that we'll see in episode seven when it comes out. And so I think the really big theme is seeing some of those things that um, we had always just thought and maybe conjectured about Mm -hmm. of what Anakin's, you know, fall was, but we really get to see what Anakin's fall was like and, you know, how far he fell and why he did it. And I really think that even though the movie is, Revenge of the Sith is my favorite of the prequel movies. That's that that's not hard. Most people will say yeah, that. Yeah, the bar it's, is low. The bar is very low. But this movie is, I think, just crazy adventure movie. Like, just crazy action the entire movie is essentially what it is. Scattered in with just terrible dialogue. There's um, merciful, mercifully little dialogue, though. Yes, right. yes, exactly. <laughs> that's That's a good way to put it. But, you know, I think that it shed a light a lot on a lot of those things. And it just it, it it creates a it creates a lot of new things for us to talk about, which is something that I could not say that much for in Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. So if I could if I could try to expand a little bit on what you're talking about with like us finally kind of seeing Anakin or at least what I would say is George Lucas's attempt to tell us that Star Wars has always been about Anakin. Yeah. Um, I, I know I've talked about this on episodes uh, or proper episodes of Real World Theology, but um, one of the things that made these prequels uh, kind of uh, tolerable or swallowable to me yeah. is uh, understanding uh, Machete Order and understanding machete order says that you 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 watch you know you you watch you watch a new hope you watch empire yeah and then you you treat attack of the clones and revenge of the sith as basically like an extended flashback once once you find out that uh vader is luke's father and then you go to jedi and after having seen um the fall of anakin we really go back to who the story's always been about the likable and relatable character of Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, they make a big point of saying, notice that, uh, there's no need for Phantom Menace in, in this telling of the story. Um, but, uh, what it does is I think it rightly points out that the real story should be about Luke. And, uh, yep. even though there's a great deal of, uh, of narrative or story about Anakin, the, the things that I take away from Revenge of the Sith are, knowing um, or looking at the fall of Anakin Skywalker and seeing that he never really directly has any influence over Luke, his son, but there's almost like this sins of the father, like generational thing that like Luke's got to overcome the same things that his dad did yeah, simply because of who he is and what he was born into. Um, and we like I, I like the illusions, even though they're kind of silly at times and heavy-handed. But you mentioned Josh the the wearing all black, the, the you know the use of the force choke, 
the the mind control things that we only see the Sith do, right? In, in like Revenge of the Sith, like Luke's doing in Jedi, and we actually have to wonder: Is Luke going to be a carbon copy of his father? And we never, like, hypothetically, we would never know, is he really going to turn to the dark side by the end of the film? Because yeah. his journey is the same. Because he's also dealing with emotions, just like Anakin was. Like, you know, J.R., you mentioned right you know, right up front. That's something that we saw that was different. And so the big thing I take away is this this idea that um, Anakin, for, for as bad as the movie is, Anakin has to uh, uh, set a stage that makes Luke even better. Not that makes Darth Vader even better. So that that's kind of how, like I said, it, it it makes it tolerable, makes it, I don't know, watchable, yeah. <laughs> important, deemed worthy of any time of mine, very occasionally. <laughs> um, so as I as I mull on and on, um, but okay, so want to switch gears and say outside of thematics, um, Josh, what has this film meant to you on a personal level? So. Um... On a personal level, this movie uh, does two things, but they'll be quick, I promise. That's fine. Um, we have time. Number one is that uh, from a, a Star Wars nerd standpoint, um, this helped create the world and it helped create and it finished out the world that would eventually create what is by far the best thing that's come out of the prequels and out of George Lucas's mind from the prequels which is the Clone Wars cartoon show. Um, that show is actually really great and gives you a really great appreciation of Revenge of the Sith if you watch all six seasons first. So it's, it's a huge commitment, but it actually, <laughs> you it, it does two things to you. It, it makes you appreciate Revenge of the Sith more, and it also makes you wish that Matt Lantern, who plays Anakin Skywalker in the Clone Wars, could be... It could be Anakin Skywalker in Revenge of the Sith because he plays yeah. it so much better than than Hayden Christensen could. Um, so Again, low bar. exactly, but still a lot better. Seriously, like really great. Like doesn't have a whiny voice. Really great. So, um, so anyways, there's that. And the second thing is that this movie really significantly meant something to me as a um, as a. Uh, young Christian, because I saw this movie with my college friends that were essentially quite a few of them who we were all kind of newer Christians. We had all kind of come to believe in Christ around the same time when we were in college at the University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point. And so, but we all grew up like being huge Star Wars geeks. So um, for this movie in in our our college town of like 25,000 people, um, we went to the the local Rogers Cinema and we got in line and we waited for everyone else for the midnight showing when they still did midnight showings for the first showing and we all we all <laughs> back we, in the day yeah back in the day two thousand five woo um, we all dressed up as different characters and we got in the paper because we all dressed up as characters which was pretty rad so and my friend Brad actually sewed his own Wookie costume together Whoa. like spent an insane amount of hours making this costume <laughs> and it was it was glorious to behold and so you know it was great like i was han solo and you know so uh it, it was it was so cool it was so much fun and it's just a it's a big reminder to me that like star wars is about the people you get to enjoy it with 
And that's really part of what Star Wars is all about. Um, I feel like one of the major themes of Star Wars is this idea of community and like a, a community of of love and sacrifice and all these other things like that. And that really, this movie kind of defines from a from a community standpoint, probably the movie that I've enjoyed immediately with the most amount of people. Um, and it was a really cool experience. It was a really great experience to be there with just tons of college students went to see this movie on opening night and it was just, it was raucous and it was crazy and it was awesome. So no, that's, that's great. Yeah. I, I think no. So that's what I, one of the reasons that I picked this question was for that reason, yeah. because, uh, why, why are we doing a mini sode on a movie that we all think is not very good? <laughs> but I mean, like honestly, because uh, well, one, we're obviously making a play to do Star Wars stuff before yeah. The Force Awakens comes out. But it gets into the rotation because whether we think it's a good film or not, it has impacted, especially most of the people in our, you know, 18 to 35 or 45, whatever that range is, um, age group significantly and on personal levels, despite its badness or goodness. So that that's great. Um so Jr., how how would you answer the same question? What has Revenge of the Sith meant to you on a more personal level? Yeah, so I'll say honestly, not much. Uh, by the time my friends and I were ready for Episode Three, we were so broken and disheartened <laughs> that our attitude was, "Well, it it can't be any worse." And when we left the theater, that was we were like, "Well, it could have been worse." It could have been, you know, I mean, so, so <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah, we went and saw it, whatever. Like, it's always fun to hang out with friends, but, um, I, you know, I, I had not rewatched this film until today since mm -hmm. I saw it once in the theater. Uh, mm -hmm. it's one I barely think about. And, and really the only, the only thing I had a clear memory of other than the, the no heard around the world oh. was, uh, Obi-Wan's lament uh, over Anakin right there at the end of the, in their final battle where he's like, you know, you were yeah. supposed to be the chosen one, all this, like that was really heartbreaking. And I, I really bought that part. Um, but again, I guess, especially rewatching it today and maybe it's because of where I am like with our church and what we're looking forward to and what kind of the future holds for us. I was just struck again, uh, a lot more profoundly than this film deserves yeah. by the idea that, while it is true that our loves can lead us astray as Anakin's love made him susceptible to, to Palpatine's manipulations. If the only alternative we give people is to deny, deny that we love and yeah. deny the, the, what we're doing is denying our humanity and, and there isn't any good down that road either. And so I would love to think that Lucas had a plan to say that, that Luke brought balance to the force by creating this order that was both mind and heart uh, that we see Luke as sort of the, the vanguard of by the end of Jedi. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm leery of giving him too much credit. But I like that interpretation of the saga, and I'm happy to let it stand. <laughs> yeah. so. Because on some level it redeems something so, so bad. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, or, right? And, and or something that re that reflects to Forresteros and all his compatriots the the epitome of shattered dreams. Exactly, and and uh, I would agree with with James that or with Josh uh, that 
that that having the background on Anakin and his turn to Vader, even as abominably as it was a pic- <laughs> as it was pictured in this film, did give his character more heft in the pre in the original trilogy. Yeah. So. Well, I so I I, I like um, what you guys are saying because I think that hits on a lot of like where where I am because there was this piece where Attack of the Clones was so bad that I was like, well, it can't be any worse. And, you know, I'm, I'm bought into Star Wars. It doesn't matter. Like, they could have told me Michael Bay was going to direct The Force Awakens, and I would go see The Force Awakens because I'm 100% bought in because of what Star Wars in general has meant to me because of the what I know it can be. It's like when I watch bad episodes of Doctor Who, I'm like, but this, like, the potential is so great that I can stick through a bad episode here and there because the, the just what the world you've created is so rich and so vivid and so expansive that I know this could be one of the coolest things that I ever get to uh, partake in story-wise. Yeah. Um, the, the, the other piece is that, yeah, I, I remember I watched, I had only watched this film in the theater one time, just like you, JR. And then I think it was six months ago, uh, Laura was asking, my wife was asking me, uh, do you even remember what happens in episodes two and three? And she was like, will you tell me? I was like, I'm not going to let you watch them because I just remember they're terrible. She's like, well, at least tell me what happens. And I honestly could not remember what happened in two and three, except for the no heard around the world. And then, you know, Obi-Wan cutting his legs off because he was like, don't jump. This is going to be the most. <laughs> Don't you do be, it. Don't you do yeah. it. I'm going to do yeah. it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Don't do it. You know, the, the most anticlimactic way to end a fight ever. Um, so I was just like, that, that's all I remembered. And so I waited till she went out of town um, because of my great love for my wife. And I watched them and I was like, these are worse than I remember. Um, I would agree with that. They, the, that I have still not watched one or two again, but three was way worse than I remembered. Yeah, well, and so I, I watched one, two, and three, and I remember going, God, one's worse than I remember. I was like, two is one of the worst <laughs> movies I've ever seen. And comparatively, I was like, I guess three wasn't so bad. But as we've said many times already on this episode, comparatively, you know, that bar was pretty low. Um, but because Laura was going to be on an episode of this podcast, and, you know, I've got to, I had to watch them all again to do these minisodes, uh, she watched them with me this time, and I was like, you're going to hate them. And she basically sat there and was uh, the face that she made through episodes two and three. I was like, I don't want my wife to have to ever make that that face again. You know, I joined the dark side so I could redeem that face somehow. I nice. learned some. I learned some power so that she would never have to endure and that. Now you know how <laughs> Anakin felt exactly, and so it comes full circle. Um, but outside of that, I would say personally, um, when I like. Uh, you know, I tell at the end of every episode, the story is powerful. And I've thought a lot about story, especially ever since starting this podcast. But, um, when I think about this, it really, it really reminds me that you, you, no matter how cool you make the lightsaber battles, no matter how, uh, expansive and fun you try to make, uh, you know, like starship battles or, you know, X-Wing, fake X-Wing battles. Like if, 
if you form a story around a completely unlikable character, not an anti-hero, but like a just completely <laughs> unlikable character, um, then people won't like your story. And there's and there's a big difference between just having a terrible character and an anti-hero. And that's something that I didn't really think about until I watched this film again six months ago. So um, hopefully that's a lesson to somebody. It's a lesson to me now, too. Um, but we still have a couple minutes left. So I want to do two things. Um, first, uh, I want to throw this out so you can be thinking about it while we do our least favorite moments. And that is... <laughs> What would you? What would your alternate title for Revenge of the Sith be? So be thinking about that. But Josh, least favorite moment from Revenge of the Sith. Oh, my least favorite moment for Revenge of the Sith. Oh boy, it's gotta be. It's gotta be. And I'm probably stealing this from you, Fizz, again for another episode. <laughs> it's gotta be Padme's line to Anakin. You know, you're breaking my heart. Because it's Miss Portman is a very fine actress, but that line is delivered with such oh man, it's just so bad. It's but, it's delivered so terribly, and the setup to it is just so terrible that it just the line comes off to just it's one of the worst lines. But in, but you, in cinematic history, Josh, you understand that she he was literally breaking her heart, <laughs> like she died of a broken heart. Oh my gosh. For some reason. No, what do you mean for some reason? Are you a cold ice princess? She died <laughs> of a broken heart. I am. That was my least favorite in case you couldn't tell. Okay. Oh. So we're all on the same page? Man. Died of a broken heart. I just like no, it. Medically, but... medically <laughs> she's do... fine. We can't figure out why we're losing her. She's <laughs> sad to death. Stupid. <laughs> that... That robot stupid. totally got fired after that. It's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> oh, all right, Jr. Your 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 least favorite. I mean that that was my least favorite. Uh, again, like actually, legitimately, um, the fact that you know the Jedi just said don't care about anything except we care about the universe and we care about democracy and we care about not not being Sith. We care about a lot of things, just none of the things you're allowed to care about. Yeah. Um, also, none of the decisions that the Jedi made made a lot of sense. Um, like why Mace Windu went from stopping Palpatine and arresting him to then deciding to kill him, um, even though like he was still already all the gr- on the ground incapacitated. Um, why Anakin thought that he had to be dark just because he pushed Mace Windu out a window, um, <laughs> I mean, and then and then went from like stopping someone from illegally executing a prisoner to murdering children like like that like that yeah um none of i mean none of that stuff made any sense uh and and you basically just have to accept that anakin is actually just pretty much has an iq of like 17 Mm-hmm. Like that's the only way the story actually makes any sense is if he's just so dumb that he doesn't have any, like I assume that Jedi training includes some sort of moral education. Um, nice. Well, it can't because they don't really, I mean, it's all like just flat justice. Right? Well, that's Not fine. Like... But I mean, gosh, like uh, for, for, for Obi-Wan to say only Sith's deal in absolutes. Apparently not. Apparently all Obi-Wan has been teaching Anakin is that is everything is absolute. If yeah. you kill, if you kill someone once, that means you're a Sith. 
if you if you kill an adult who uh, again there's some gray area that you may have been dispensing legitimate justice but you kill them you probably should just go ahead and kill children because it's all the same black mm. and white right I mean just none of it none of it made sense none of it yeah. made sense mm. that really irritated me did, did any of it make sense none of it made sense none of it okay, okay. and then yeah every time Anakin and Padme had a scene together I want to claw the, my eyes out mm-hmm, um, just the worst well I kept turning to Laura and saying what why 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 like what do you see something i don't see like what what about and she's like i don't understand like how is she in love with him what what one thing she's like he's whiny he's not he's not really that attractive he's creepy he doesn't like he has resting creep face like every time he's just on screen he's just looking like he's looking in a window like late at night at a girl changing her clothes or something like he's uh, just total, total creeper. Also, I don't know if we've talked about this on other episodes that I was not on. Obi-Wan is like the worst mentor in the entire world. That's he does. He does classic father mistake where he's like, I'm your buddy, not your mentor. Right. Yeah. We're, be- we're best. You we were friends. Yeah. Josh, um, uh, can you tell me as someone who has not seen the Clone Wars cartoons, is yeah. he like a better mentor in between these two films? Yeah. Yes. I, overall, overall, just everything is better in the Clone Wars. <laughs> I think, and I, I, I uh, the, the cartoon series that is, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that, um, I mean, the, the stories are still coming from George Lucas, but I think that maybe how his imagine how he imagined the prequels was better, better done in a lengthy series where he could kind of explore it. And it could be more like, the old serials that, cause that's kind of how the show is pitched. It's like 22 minute episodes and they're like the old serial cartoons, you know, like action adventure, that kind of stuff, but it still tells a great story. Plus also he has other collaborators like Dave Filoni, who is the main collaborator and like the, the story guy for um, star Wars rebels, the new star Wars cartoon show. He was like basically George Lucas's right hand man and helped create a lot of the stories and so I just think that he was able to do a lot better job um, okay. than Lucas was um, while still allowing Lucas to be like, I don't want that to happen. So, you know, <laughs> or whatever he's doing. So jo- Josh, your Lucas is the best. It really is so bad. And it's just, it's so bad. It's so good. Uh, all right. So um, oh, 15 seconds, <laughs> 15 so seconds. Bad. JR, what would your alternate title to written into the Sith be? Star Wars episode three. I guess. Why not? all right josh (laughs) oh no oh gosh i i feel like i'm destroying my i'm destroying a little bit of george lucas with this uh it's i i feel like knowing what we know now it's revenge of the sith finally george lucas is done making movies (laughs) yeah it's a long title but kind of you know gets the point across all right, so I, I would end with this: Star Wars three, dumb, so <laughs> dumb. Um, and just like that, we're all out of time for the minisode. But we want to make sure you can follow our guests on the internet. So check out Real World Theology. I'll have where you can get a hold of Jr. You can get a hold of a uh, uh, Jedi Master Crab. Um, we'll, we'll have the show notes there. So thanks for listening. Until next time, remember that story is powerful and entertainment is not mindless. Bye bye. No! <laughs>